Hello, everyone, and welcome to December on Phillies Talk Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matt Vizi. We're going to talk all about the MLB lockdown and lockout, and also what's going on with the Phillies, who they picked up during the hot stove season leading up to the lockout. Thanks for joining us. Here's Phillies Talk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. It's the holiday edition, start of the holiday season, and I'm joined by my good friend, Matt Vizi. How you doing, Matt? Morning, Rich. How are you? Great, great. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, which I suggest you uh, search on YouTube.com, uh, you'll see Matt's awesome background with the Christmas tree in the background. We're getting ready for the holidays, holiday season already upon us for some folks that are already celebrating and uh, hey, it's a festive time of year, but not all that festive for baseball in general. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> we've, we've got a lockout. These gates uh, behind me at Citizens Bank Park are locked out. And, uh, you know, we're um, in my opinion, Rich, we're probably looking at a few months. Uh, you know, if I were to give any advice to fans at this point, I would just say, do your Christmas shopping, worry about the holidays, uh, you know, find something else to get to enjoy during January, uh, NFL playoffs, uh, you know, your basketball and your hockey seasons, uh, you know, and then I don't think we're really going to see much real movement on this until maybe February, you know, until we start pushing up against spring training. Then I think the talks will get more serious, but uh, they went home, had their meetings this week that weren't really fruitless, uh, that were, were really bear any fruit at all. And I think both sides have pretty much set down, you know, what, what it is that they're looking for. The other sides are, you know, obviously not in agreement on those issues. And, uh, you know, the main issues, as always, are economic ones. The players are looking to move um the, the time frame for when they can become free agents from six years down to five and they're looking for you know a couple of other things uh that, are, that, are, that they believe will increase the competitive uh balance the way that they're describing it in baseball so uh, you know the, the, it seems to be like two or three main sticking points and those are sticking points that have been in existence really for you know since this whole free agency era began you know 45 years ago or so so i don't think you're going to see a lot of real movement you know when, when you're talking about issues that have been in place for 45 years that neither side's been able to really agree on uh, i don't i think that the players would be happy if they could get one of the the three or four issues that they're looking to have on their side uh, i think that they would like to hold out um from their ending and even if they just get one of them they'd feel it's a victory uh, there are some issues where their the sides are in agreement uh, they're raising the the you know the amount of money that players can spend uh, that teams can spend on their overall salary structure the um, major league minimum salary you know would be raised uh, Major League Baseball has already made a commitment to minor league players to increase some of the benefits and salaries uh, for the minor leaguers. So you know, there are a bunch of things I think they can agree on, but I think we're looking at 
for the next, you know, through the holidays and even through January, you know, you'll see a lot of things being written about these negotiations, but there's not going to be, in my opinion, you won't see any settlement. There won't be anything substantive uh, until February. Yeah, I was uh, listening to MLB Network this morning and, you know, they announced that there would be um, not allowed to show the players likenesses on screen or pictures, that sort of thing. And, you know, how that will change their show. And as you said, baseball has come to a halt. Uh, the owners lock the players out and the players are not budging off of what their demands are. And like you said, if they could get one or two of what their top demands are, I think they would be successful. Um, baseball really isn't broken, so to speak. I don't see there's glaring uh, issues that they wouldn't be able to solve. Um, but evidently uh, the players are, voting behind the scenes to not uh, accept what the owners are offering right now. So as you said, it's going to be a while. A lot of us don't even realize it right now because we're in our winter modes. Uh, baseball's not on our plate, so to speak. We're watching the football games or watching the hockey games. And uh, another thing I was listening to and reading about is a lot of people since COVID have, develop new ways of spending money. So I hope baseball doesn't suffer uh, if this goes prolonged and we see a uh, not a good start to the season on time, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have sympathy for millionaire ball players these days. Well, that's always been the case, you know, since ever since free agency began, the salaries uh, started getting as, as huge as they are. But you got to remember, this is it's an entertainment industry. You know, and when you look at, uh, you know, people don't because you don't really hear about these figures, uh, people don't have any problem with Tom Cruise making, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars for a picture which is the kind of money that major motion picture stars get for motion pictures. It's an entertainment uh, process. And, and uh, Tom Cruise is going to drive a large audience to the theaters. Now, of course, I'm talking outside the COVID uh, structure, but the point being that, you know, people are going to pay to go see more people are going to pay to go see a Phillies team that has Bryce Harper on it, that an angels team that has Mike Trout on it. So, you know, I don't behoove, you know, an entertainer, which is a ball player. I don't behoove an entertainer making 10, 20, $30 million uh, for a year. Now we're talking about it as part of a more than $10 billion industry. So that's its perspective, Rich. You know, of course, some fans are always going to say, oh, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a kid's game. You know, fine. I, I, personally, I don't have time for that kind of conversation because that's an uneducated fan to me. An, an educated fan understands that this is an entertainment business that you're trying to drive fannies into the seats. And the best way to put fannies into the seats, whether it's at a movie theater or uh, a theater for a play or for a ballpark or a, a facility for a hockey game or basketball game is to put marquee, exciting, talented players uh, or actors or actresses uh, maybe, or uh, uh, musicians, you know, into your facility. 
on a regular basis. Now, the way you do that is to pay money. And if the money's there, uh, and, and it is certainly there, and like I said, a, a 10 plus billion dollar industry like Major League Baseball, then you know salary sh- really shouldn't be the issue. I don't think salaries are the big issue here. Uh, I think the big issue is that the pie is growing. Um, there's always there's more money over the years in baseball, and I think that the players are just looking. They're looking to make sure that they and their representatives, Tony Clark and the MLBPA, they're making sure that their players get what they feel is a fair, you know, share of that pie. Uh, the players are the game. The owners are not the game. Uh, the owners provide a lot of things, especially if they're doing a good job as owners, as far as facilities, as far as um, investments in other players, signing free agent contracts and, and uh, keeping the players they have by extending them, that kind of thing. But in the bottom line is that the players are what fans come to see. Nobody comes to the ballpark to go look up into a box and see John Middleton sitting there, you know, um, so players deserve a large share. Now, how much of a share? That's one of the things they'll negotiate. And that is one of the three, I think, main pillars of what we're talking about here is the the players looking for an increase in their share of the, the revenue sharing. Uh, the other being that issue of cutting down the service time from six years to five years when they can become a free agent. Major League Baseball is talking about something like, you know, making players free agents when they're throwing 30 or something like that. Uh, uh, the Players Association isn't going to go for that. You know, you, so you saw some of the record numbers that were thrown around to, that were thrown around, that were uh, given to players in contracts this week, especially the guys who were in their upper 20s. Max Scherzer aside, you know, he's an anomaly at age 37 or what he is getting the kind of money he did. But most of the time you're going to see guys like Bryce Harper got here when he was, you know, 26, 27 years old, going to get that massive 10, 12, 15 year contract. Um, Corey Seager got 10 years, 325 million, you know, in, in his upper twenties. So players certainly don't want to, you know, wait till you're 30 to and have everybody become a free agent. So I think, you know, that, that issue of you know, uh, service time of when you become a free agent, uh, that issue of slicing up the pie as far as the, the, the overall financial structure in baseball, if you will, uh, those are going to be a, a couple of the main issues that we're looking at getting resolved. But, you know, that, that issue of fans having sympathy for million dollar ball players, I think, you know, that we, get, we you should just stop talking about uh, that, that idea, because to me, that's just, you know, that's a non-starter as far as if I'm going to have a talk with a fan and they were to say, Oh, I don't have any feelings about these guys play making $10 million play baseball. Well, you know, move along as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, it still is out there. And one of the things that was out there, it's always going to be out there, Rich. It's been out there since the first player made a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And we remember those days. Uh, here's what happened with the MLB photos. Um, right. As the strike was announced in day one, uh, legally, the MLB had to take the players likenesses off the screen, the photos. So if you're Reese watching is looking our, a little different there. Yeah. You're watching our YouTube stream. Reese Hoskins adopted his avatar, so to speak, the um, no face avatar. And I think MLB in certain spots has taken those down now. Uh, they they got a, 
a sour reception from some humorous at that. But uh, now what they're showing is a little bit different. Um, just a plain uh, screen, so to speak, uh, without the likeness being shown. Let me see if I can bring up uh, Kyle Seeger's page here. And up here on the left, above the name, of course, used to be the picture. So <laughs> they've replaced that with um, you know just a generic picture of some lights and stuff, uh, which is kind of cool. But uh, that took a life of its own. The, the first day of the uh, lockout, players were having a little fun with that, you know. But this is the first time within the modern area, area era rather, of which we are dealing with a work stoppage, and all the social media aspects and things are are now becoming known. Whereas what back in '94 we didn't have much of this going on with the Twitter and the, you know, the the extent of how good certain social medias are and mlb.com itself so uh, that was an interesting story as well with the stoppage and like uh, matt said we just have to go along with our own uh lives day by day and not worry about this lockout until uh springtime and then if it's still locked out then there's a worry but uh holiday season's coming up uh matt do you have any uh big Phillies type of gear you want to pick up for this holiday season? Um, you know, I'll always, I'll always be you know, fishing around Rich, you know, for something <laughs> that catches my eye, but uh, uh, nothing in particular, you know, I already have my uh, season ticket plan in place for next year. So, you know, ticket wise, I'm set. And uh, I, I think that certainly if you had talked to my wife, you would find out uh, that she doesn't she, the last thing she would want me to do is to spend any more money on any right. gear or right. paraphernalia, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm actually cleaning out my house over the fall. So I'm, I'm looking to yeah. get rid of junk, if you yeah. will. So I'm not looking to add any more stuff. So I'm not personally, you know, shopping for anything, but uh, I, I'm always looking out there. And if something really, really solid catches my eye, you know, then we'll see, you know, yeah. but uh I'm not really in the market for anything per se at this one, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, if you go to phillies.com, uh, stomp in at the Phillies new era store, uh, today that we're doing this show on Friday, December 3rd and tomorrow as of the date of this show. So meaning Saturday, December 4th, the Phillies new era store is having a big, uh, sale, big, uh, a big, uh, event down there with a lot of the fanatic will be there. And, uh, uh, like uh, players obviously won't be there, but uh, the fanatic will be there. Maybe some broadcasters. So they'll they'll there'll be a large Phillies event at the New Era store down at Citizens Bank Park. So any fans who do have somebody on their shopping list, uh, there are going to be sale prices. There are going to be offers, special offers. There are uh, going to have some giveaways. So uh, this would be a nice event, you know, if fans are looking to do something baseball related on Saturday, December 4th, if they catch our show in time, uh, stop down to the Phillies New Era store at the ballpark. All right, cool. That sounds like a bunch of fun. Uh, yeah, I had my eye on a jersey over the uh, Black Friday weekend, an authentic jersey, and they're, they're getting god-awful money for these things. Um uh, I think the list price on them are like three fifty nine somewhere around there. 
Um, but they were they were discounted a good deal. They were into the mid two hundreds. So I had my eye on it, but I didn't didn't pull any triggers on it yet. Um, not sure if I wanted to go with a player jersey or just a plain jersey. Uh, and that that's a significant amount of money to spend on a on a authentic jersey. But uh, I was looking. Well. Uh- in line with this event that they're having tomorrow that I mentioned, they are also doing the annual Christmas tree lighting. Uh, that's going to come in conjunction with this sale at the new era store. So uh, the ballpark, even though, you know, we're in a lockout situation as far as the players are concerned, uh, the Phillies organization is still going to offer some of these nice events for fans. And the, the annual Christmas tree lighting down there at the ballpark is going to take place at scheduled for 5 p.m. tomorrow. So they, you know, they wait for the sun to go down, obviously. And the fanatic will be there. Um, they're supposed to have... Uh, I know Mickey Morandini is scheduled to be there as far as a former player. He's, he can be there. He's not a member of the MLBPA at this point. And guys like you know Scott Palmer and uh, Keith Jones, some local media types and Phillies media types will be there. Um, so you, know, you can take uh, pictures at the ballpark at this event tomorrow with the World Series trophies, both the uh, 1980 and 2008 World Series trophies will be in the ballpark. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things down there. Uh, broadcasters, Ruben Amaro, Larry Anderson, Ben Davis, uh, they're scheduled to be there between 1030 and 1130 tomorrow morning. Uh, so again, this is Saturday, December 4th. So, you know, you can make your own ornament. There are a lot of things down there. So this is going to be a nice event. I think they're going to have at the ballpark for anybody who wants to stop out. And as I said, like you, maybe you can get that great jersey you're looking for down there with a, with a better sale, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I get some emails from the Phillies on that, but I, I didn't get that email. I get the authentics emails, you know, with the sales and stuff on the bases and the old player jerseys and things like that. But I must not be on the right uh email list for those events because that sounds like a fun time uh for phillies fans so yeah, yeah if, if you, you go do- rich if you go to uh the phillies.com you know website uh under the fans and the events and happening section you'll see plenty of stuff about the holidays or you can google the phillies new era store and uh there'll, there'll be a link right into the new era's new era store and some of the events that they have both tomorrow and all during the off season yeah, that's cool. I would love to have been able to do that. I got a prior commitment for this one, but uh, yeah, I'd be up there in a heartbeat to check that out. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, hopefully our some of our listeners may hear this before that event and check it out. But, um, you know, leading up to the lockout, the Phillies were making some moves, so to speak. Not the big moves that everybody expected or wanted, rather, not necessarily expected, but uh, Phillies agreed to terms with right-handed pitcher Corey Knebel, I guess is the way you pronounce his name. It's Corey uh, Nebel. I think it's just Nebel. (laughs) Is it? Yeah, Corey Nebel. Okay, cool. Um, And infielder Johan Camargo uh, on a one-year contract. And I remember that name, Camargo. I remember him with the... Atlanta Braves and uh, remember him being pretty good player. Yeah, Nebel's a um, Nebel. 
Camargo is a really good defender and he, he not, not a big bat. Uh, he's, he's an experienced bench guy. I think he played something like six, seven, eight years with the Braves, uh, still in his upper twenties. So, I mean, he's, he's a bench player, you know, and he'll be able to fill in at a number of places. Uh, he plays pretty much all over the field. Um, like I said, he's a good athlete, a good defensive player. So, uh, he's a nice little pickup. He's not going to move the, you know, he's not going to move the bar any for the Phillies as far as, you know, where they're going to finish in the standings, but he, he's not a bad pickup as far as for the bench. Yeah. Um, I just remember that name sticking back in the memory banks there. And when I read that, I was like, wow, I remember that name. I was happy that the Phillies signed him, not the marquee player, not the, um, you know, Semien or Seeger, they of course were signed by uh, Texas, both of them. But uh, we did get a closer in Corey Nebel there. Um, and uh, I wonder, is he going to be an effective closer for the Phillies? It seems like they took a chance with him with the one year deal. You know, and I think I have the, I always said Corey Nebel. Uh-huh. I'm looking him up on baseball reference, and it looks like they pronounce him as Canable. Yeah. Corey yeah. Canable. Yeah, I've heard. So of, uh... I'll have to get that down a little bit better. Corey Canable. All right. Yeah. But uh, as you're talking about, he's he's an experienced guy. Uh, you're talking about a 30 year old. He's a right hander. He he's got seven years of big league experience. Could have had a couple of more years of big league experience, except he lost all of 2019 and uh, a lot of even even some of last year in the in the uh, COVID season. And then even a little bit of uh, 2021 uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery. So he has lost some time over the most recent two or three big league seasons. But before that, he was a, a pretty effective closer in Milwaukee. He had a sensational 2017 season in which he registered 39 saves. He was a National League All-Star, had a 1.78 ERA. Over 76 innings that year, Rich, he allowed just 48 hits and had 126 strikeouts. So his 2017 was phenomenal. Followed that up with a pretty good, not, not as good, but a pretty good 2018 before he got hurt. Comes back last year with the Dodgers, and he only pitched in 27 games but he looked really good again. Uh, most importantly, he looked healthy over 25.2 innings in 27 games. He only allowed 16 hits and he had 30 strikeouts. So he's, he was back to that less than a hit an inning, more than a strikeout an inning type pitcher. And that's really what you want at the back end of your bullpen. Doesn't give up a lot of long balls. He had a 2.45 ERA last year. His whip was under one. So, you know, the Phillies are banking on, I guess, Nebel, Knebel. Okay, it's going to take me some time to get over that because I've been calling him Corey Nebel for years. <laughs> uh, Corey Knebel, uh, they're banking on him, his comeback being real last year. And he, he looked real. He looked really good. Canable, on the other hand, is banking on himself because reports are that the Phillies were willing to offer him two years and he turned it down. So he, what he's looking for, obviously, is 
to prove over a full season, especially if the Phillies give him that opportunity to be their closer. He's looking to prove that he is back. And then he would go into the free agent class again next offseason. New CBA in place. He's only 30 years old. So, you know, he's looking to reset his value in the free agent market with a big season for the Phillies. If he starts doing that, if he starts having a big season for the Phillies, then since he's only on a one-year deal, they'll have a couple of options. One being they could try to extend them during the season. If they, if he looks really healthy and he's part of a, you know, good winning team, they might just say, Hey, let's get this guy wrapped up for the next three or four years or so. If, you know, if they're not really winning, if they're not going where they hope, if they don't know whether they can resign him or not, he could end up being a trade chip, you know, the July 30th trade deadline. So it's a good signing for them. I think Uh, it's not, I, I don't preclude this from being, they're, they're saying that they're going to give him a chance to be the closer going into spring training. So I don't necessarily think that they're going to stop looking at a possibility of bringing in a guy like Craig Kimbrell, but that would take a trade and it would probably take some significant assets. So I think if they could get a guy like Kimbrell on a, on a, on a decent deal, something that they feel comfortable giving up, then they would still bring him in use Neville as uh, Canable as the setup guy. But uh, I think there's a very real chance at this point that Canable is the closer as far as when spring training rolls around and the back end of the bullpen will be, you're bringing up, um, you're about to bring up Hector Neres in the discussion. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're going to see somebody like Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's coming off of his own injury issues also looked healthy when last season ended as a key member on the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, I was uh, encouraged to see Hector Neris uh, with his contract there. Got a two-year deal from the Houston Astros, $17 million. Uh, of course, we had, had Neris on the team for many years. Uh, he was in that closer's role for the Phillies for a long time, in and out uh, towards the end. But uh, were you surprised at the money uh, thrown at Hector Neris, uh, especially at this point in his career? And I don't hear you right now. Even though you got me now? Yeah, I got you. Even though Phillies fans, uh, he's a favored whipping boy for some of the people on the Internet. Um, Hector Neris has had a fantastic Phillies career. He... He gave up the key home run or he he broke down. And and to me, it seemed to be an issue maybe about mental toughness. Uh, He's one of those guys that seemed like he let things snowball on him or he gave up the – he just threw a bad pitch at at the wrong time. But there were times when he was just utterly dominant. Uh, he's a big strikeout guy. He's, he's at a good age. I think the Astros got a really good signing here. As long as you don't commit to Hector Neris as your closer, which I think the Phillies finally found out last year, you know, when they pulled him back, made him more of a setup guy, that's where Hector Neris is going to pay off for you. And he, he he's he he's classically what I like in a relief pitcher at towards the back of the bullpen. 
that Knable brings. Fewer hits than innings pitched, more strikeouts than innings pitched, and especially the the better that those ratios are, um, I, I love the player even more. And over over time, Neris, his hits to uh, innings pitch ratio and his strikeouts to innings pitch ratios were were really good. So I like Hector Neris. I'm not surprised he got money. Uh, and and as, again, as I said, as long as he's not your closer, he could step in. I mean, if you have another closer and, you know, your guy goes down, he gets injured, he has an ineffective year, Neris could step in and give you some good closer opportunities. But I think if you're using him as your right-hand setup, man, you're going to get some good value out of Hector Neris. So I think it's a good signing for the Astros. Yeah, and he's uh, he's got some left him, 32 years old, got the two-year deal. That It's amazing about Knebel there only wanting – or Knebel – uh, only wanting to uh, do the one year because he has had injuries over the past several years. He missed 92 days with the uh, Dodgers last year and a lat um, lat issue. He had uh, 92 days. It's a lot. You know, he pitched a couple games in April and then they didn't see him till almost uh, the end of the season. So I hope he stays more healthy with the Phillies and, um, there's still a lot of good free agents out there. Of course, uh, the Mets just totally went bonkers on this uh, hot stove season leading up to the lockout. Uh, do you think we're going to have to fear the Mets this year? The Mets are improved. They're better than they were. You know, you just add Max Scherzer to your rotation. Uh, but they also pulled kind of uh, you saw what the Braves did last year at the trade deadline fortifying their outfield and what a difference that made for them Mets did the same kind of thing they kind of rebuilt their entire outfield so they still have Pete Alonzo uh you know they <clears throat> they they still have Francisco Lindor uh they still have Jacob DeGrom so I think if the Mets are healthy they're certainly they're better I think uh, they finished something like five or six games behind the Phillies last year. So, to, you know, the Phillies have some work to do, you know, if they want to stay ahead of New York. But I don't, you know, the uh, plenty of names are still out there that have been linked to the Phillies. So we don't really know what the Phillies are going to be in 2022 yet. You still have Chris Bryant. You still have Nick Castellanos, Trevor Story, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you have some other names that are interesting. I don't know how much the Phillies will be interested, but you have guys like Kenley Jansen and Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa, Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke. I mean, there, there are some huge names that are still available. And beyond those, you have dozens of really good, serviceable major league players who could help fill out a bullpen, who could help fill out a bench. So until this labor issue gets resolved and the Phillies can get back into addressing the free agent market, you're not going to see, you know, we're not going to know what the Phillies are, but I don't think that it certainly isn't time to panic. You know, there's, there are plenty of good uh, strong ball players who've been linked to the club in the past who are still available. So uh, we saw a lot of names go off the board this past week, but most of those names were never linked to the Phillies. So I would just say to fans, you know, be patient. And as I said earlier, get through your holidays, worry about that. Uh, you know, January, find something else to do with your time. And once we uh, have baseball back with a CBA, 
then when you, we'll start seeing, I think the Phillies will be one of the bigger players when uh, the game resumes economically. Yeah. Uh, a lot of big names went off the market, of course, uh, huge deals, Texas out of their minds, I think with $500 million between two players. Uh, that's amazing really that they, uh, they plunge that much into two players, but uh, we'll see if that helps them for 2022 and the, um, Make sure if you make reservations for spring training that you make the refundable ones because uh, we don't know what's going to happen in three months' time here, uh, two months, two and a half months when it starts up again or supposed to start up again. And I learned out firsthand how terrible it is to you know make my plans, go down, and halfway down they cancel spring training with the COVID uh, during 2020 season. But uh, – Lesson learned, make those reservations and make sure they're refundable. Yeah, I was considering, I haven't been down to spring training for a decade now, Rich. I was really strongly considering going down next year, but, uh, you know, without a, with a lockout in place and we don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I'd be very reluctant at this point. I wouldn't, you know, make any plans to go down there. Uh, If you do make plans, I would say make them tentative and uh, don't make them until there's a CBA in place Uh, or skip this year, you know, or, you know, make it a last minute trip. If you can keep your schedule and if you can keep your, you know, uh, finances open-ended until we get to February or March, that's probably a better a more a more more smart bet for fans and anybody who already has committed or like you said you know does want to commit over the next few weeks make sure you get some travel insurance or you know make sure you have some backup plan you know exactly it's uh, you don't want to go down there i remember we used what you did i think in covid you you ended up going down there there were no games uh and yeah. that rug got pulled out from under you at the last minute and yeah. I remember you ended up walking around taking pictures of ballparks from outside the ballpark. I did. You know, I, so did. I went out know, and visited. People don't want to get stuck with that. Although the beaches of Florida are nice, you know, you was, can always lay on a beach. Yeah, it was pretty nice. I mean, I, I made the best of it by visiting different clubs, uh, winter digs that I may not have seen in the other hand, uh, going down to pirate city and they have the training section, a little separate from where their stadium is. That's a little strange, but. I did both of those, did the Toronto stadium, and they still had some players sort of in there and the Yankee facility as well. So, I mean, these were things that, you know, I might not have seen if I go went down and everything worked out as planned. So it's nice to go down and check it out, but it's. That might up. be something for fans who have been down to Clearwater already um but haven't been around like you did to some of the other ballparks there are a number of those ballparks on especially on the west coast of florida in that area where where clearwater is that are within you know driving range of clearwater and you know some fans in the in the future if you're talking about making plans to go down there for you know four or five six days it might be of interest to a fan to really plan it out this time and maybe, you know, take in a game or two of Clearwater, but, you know, take a look around and see what else is there and see what the schedules are that year. And maybe take in a game at another one of those ballparks that are nearby. Dunedin is right there. And then you have a couple of other ballpark, uh, Tampa, of course, for the Yankees. And there are a couple of others that are real close. So uh, if you plan out your trip a little bit more beyond Clearwater, I think you'll get a a chance to really enjoy some nice baseball facilities down there in Florida. 
Yes, indeed. So uh, we're thinking warm weather, even though we just started our meteorological winter around uh, the northeast here, Philadelphia area. Um, getting a little chilly out, but still uh, we're maintaining our nice weather for now. But uh, it was nice to talk to everyone about the Phillies on this show. And Matt, why don't you tell the folks where they can find more about where you are on the Internet with the Phillies? The, the biggest place for me always is every single day uh, I'm on at Phillies Bell on Twitter. So that's always the best place that they can, you know, pick up, pick me up for Phillies information. And uh, if I do write anything, my, my writing has become a little more infrequent these days. But if I do, I'll be I'll be linking it up on Phillies Bell. Uh, so, again, that's at Phillies Bell on Twitter. And if I can give you one more thing, Rich, before we uh, go real quick, sure. as far as topics go. Very important issue this weekend coming up for Phillies fans is the Sunday will be the election for the Golden Era's committee, uh, where Dick Allen uh, will be getting another opportunity to be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He, the last time around, he missed election by one vote. Uh, Mike Schmidt is on the committee, the Golden Era's committee this year, and he's already come out publicly as stating that he's going to be, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be twisting arms, but he's certainly going to be making the phone calls uh, to the other members of the committee, trying to convince them uh, to vote for his friend, Dick Allen, for the Hall of Fame. So we, we have a chance this weekend to write what I believe has been a decades long injustice and get Dick Allen and other Philly into the hall of fame. So with any luck, uh, we'll get that good news uh, sometime on Sunday or after Sunday evening. And uh, maybe next summer we'll have a, you know, a, a big, big Philly's name, a wall of famer retired number 15. Uh, maybe we'll get him into Cooperstown and we can get some Phillies fans out to Cooperstown for next year's hall of fame induction ceremony. So Sunday, uh, that that vote is coming up on Sunday, the Golden Era's committee. So something to keep in touch with and that I'll be uh, keeping updated at Philly's Bell. Very cool. Yeah. MLB Network, they'll have a, a live show on uh, Sunday at 6 p.m. So they'll be announcing that uh, those two winners uh, on Sunday night, if you happen to have MLB Network um, on your television lineup. You can tune in there and find it. And uh, like Matt said, follow him at Phillies Bell on Twitter. A lot of information comes out there quite a lot. I don't know how you put it all out, to be honest with you. But uh, a little bit of time every morning, you know, when you're retired, Rich, you can do these things. <laughs> yeah. Today you had the, the birthdays. And the other day I heard a birthday that sort of set me back a little bit. It caught my ear and I, I just shook my head and couldn't believe it. Uh, November 19th, uh, one of the all-time greatest Phillies turned 42 years old. And if you've heard it, then you know who it is. But Ryan Howard turning 42 years old um, a couple of weeks ago. That was amazing to me. I, I couldn't believe it. All those 2008 guys now, Rich, they're pretty much all into their 40s. So, uh, you know, hey, we're all, we all get older. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I turned 60, Rich. You know, so I put that six in front of my name. So that's, oh, uh, you know, none of us are getting any younger. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That, so uh, that's true. That's good. Today, uh, today's birthdays uh, for fans. This is 
before my day. I was alive, but it was before my day of following the team. But any fans, there are many fans who are still alive who followed the Phillies back in the 60s. And their catcher for most of the 60s, Clay Dalrymple, uh, celebrates his birthday today. And he's still with us. He's 85 years old now. So happy birthday to Clay Dalrymple. Wow, very cool. That uh, definite uh, Philly there, the popular Philly for eight years. I'm reading your feed right here on the show. And uh, you guys have a great holiday season. We'll try to join you another show before the Christmas holiday, if there's any updates, hopefully. And, of course, there's always going to be Phillies news. So, as Matt said, if you hear this podcast before Saturday, check out the Christmas lighting. Uh, and you only have one day. That's on December 4th. We're doing the show on the 3rd. So, uh, Check it out if you can. And Matt, you have a great holiday season. And I'll be talking to you about some more Phillies uh, before Christmas. You too, Rich. And if we don't get together, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Thank you very much.